I'm gonna make them an offer again. I feel the need, the need for speed. He's watched every movie more than once. He's Stephen Fennick. Go ahead, make my day. He's watched the latest Disney movies with his kids, uh, but that's about it. He's Trevor Long. You talking to me? Together they bring you the best movies you've never seen. I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Rent, buy or stream the latest and greatest movies on Fetch. The best movies you've never seen. The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. With Stephen Fennick and Trevor Long. This is the captain. Brace for impact. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Best Movies You've Never Seen. My name is Stephen Fennick, a movie nerd, and I'm joined by my non-movie nerd friend, Trevor Long. How are you, mate? Mate, really well, and um, looking forward to talking about a very iconic movie from um, a, a deep past of the movie industry. Yeah, absolutely. You were talking about Psycho, the 1960 classic directed by Alfred Hitchcock, seen by many as the movie that sparked the slasher movie genre. We saw years later, Halloween and all these other horror films. This, they believe, was the genesis of that film genre, was Psycho. So uh, right. played a bit of history there. It was based on the Robert Block novel, which was loosely based on serial killer Ed Gein, uh, apparently. So they did. It, it's not literally a copy of what happened in real life, but it is inspired by the... The uh, that serial killer Ed Gein. So, uh, mate, you I'm sure you've heard about this movie and had some impressions. So, what going in before you saw it? What what did you know? What did you expect? So, I I, I knew I knew it's a thriller, and that's probably based just on the music, which we'll talk about, which is iconic. Um, I knew it was Hitchcock, even though I, I couldn't tell you much about Hitchcock as a as, as a person in the industry. I know he's iconic, and therefore I, I knew this was you know his his thing. But I didn't really know what any of that meant. Like, I didn't know for something, frankly, I didn't know it was black and white um, until like five <laughs> minutes in. I went, okay, so this is staying black and white. <laughs> well, we'll um, talk about why it was black and white later. And and, and I knew about the uh, the shower scene. I knew that that, that yeah. scene, that's a, it's, it's pretty much a meme now, but it's also just iconically re- replayed and revisited. Yeah. I knew that was from this movie. In movie history, I'd say. it's uh, yeah. We're, we're going to unpack that pretty solidly. So, so going in, I knew someone was going to get stabbed in the shower. That's it. Okay, that's all you had. So when, so when you, okay, we'll talk. We'll, we'll unpack that later. I don't want to. I don't want to ask you questions now. But um, the this movie, when it was released in 1960, caused quite a stir. Reason being was that Alfred Hitchcock and the studio sold the film to theaters on the proviso that no one would be admitted to the theater 
after the movie started. There was a no late admission policy. In fact, they created a life-size cardboard cutout of Alfred Hitchcock with a photo of – it's got Alfred Hitchcock pointing to his watch saying that it is required that you see Psycho from the very beginning. And so if you've missed it, it had the next screening time on the standee as well. Wow. Here's what it said on the standee. The manager of this theatre has been instructed at the risk of his life not to admit to the theatre any persons after the picture starts. Any spurious attempts to enter by side doors, fire escapes or ventilating shafts will be met with force. The entire objective of this extraordinary policy, of course, is to help you enjoy Psycho more. So you can just imagine, wow. you hadn't even seen the movie yet. You're thinking, why? Is that, is that just a 1960 genius marketing stunt or what? Well, it's, it's Hitchcock just desperately trying to guard the story. Because you could just imagine spoilers of a movie like this would ruin it. So he was, he was, he wanted obviously wanting more people to go see it, and and he was even telling people that uh, they were encouraging people not to tell people about the movie so they can find out for themselves. It wasn't even screened for the critics, which was huge as well because he was scared they were going to give away the plot. Even the main stars, Anthony Perkins and Janet Lee, they were barred for doing any publicity for fear they were going to give away the movie. Can you imagine that today? The stars of a movie not being able to do any publicity about it? <laughs> this is unheard of. <laughs> which is why the the no admission uh, late feels like a pu- – like today, That would that's just a publicity stunt. You think right? it's a stunt? Yeah, yeah, right. But no, well, Do you genuinely well, believe that's just Hitchcock being a pure of the of the art? Yes. I think wow. he's no, – well, I think if this particular movie, it, it required sort of a little bit of – you didn't want it to go in – knowing anything about it. I think that adds to it. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about why later. It was nominated for four Academy Awards as well, including uh, Best Director for Alfred Hitchcock and Supporting Actress for Janet Lee. Cinematography and Art Direction didn't win any of them, unfortunately, but mm-hmm. the nomination was still good. Okay, we're at the part of the show now. We're going to start talking about it. This is the last exit before the freeway. So if you haven't seen Psycho, I'd recommend maybe you could see it on Fetch. And Fetch are the proud sponsors of the best movies you've never seen. And I watched it last night using Fetch, simple voice remote, just uh, ask for Psycho, and it immediately showed me the the iconic uh, poster art. I Imagine if it showed you something else, ask for Psycho, to showed you a picture <laughs> of me or something like that. What would that do? <laughs> it took me straight into Stan. So the Stan is is the best way to watch this movie. Um, and because Stan is is one of the many apps and, and platforms available on the Fetch Box, it took me straight in and I was able to watch it there. But with every movie, it's all about just searching for what you want to watch. And and in this case, you could also search by actor, by, by uh, director. There's a, a huge number of ways to search for content on the fetch box you could even just you know search for 90s comfort movies or french movies by theme so there's a lot of ways to watch rent buy stream 90s comfort movies i'm going to try that see what give it a go give it a go all on your fetch box and if you haven't got fetch you can get it at leading retailers outright as your own device or you can get it on a subscription from many many internet telcos Okay, if, you, if you're still with us, we're going to press ahead and unpack Psycho. Unlike Alfred Hitchcock, we're not going to st- keep you out of the podcast. We're going to let you in straight away. Yeah. Uh, so now you've, you've, uh, you've seen the movie. You had, uh, we've, we've heard your first impressions. You've seen the movie. So what are your first impressions after that first watch? Look, Stephen, I feel like this is where we drift apart. <laughs> okay, all right. Here we go. Um, 
we've we've now watched a few movies and you've brought me into some amazing stuff, but this one, you know, it just didn't it didn't resonate with me. Okay. I, I get the I get the hype and, and you do need to place yourself in the time solidly for this to really hit. But overall, like I just, I don't know, I just I, I think the whole thing was just a bit hard for me to watch. I enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong, I enjoyed watching it and, and I, I was there till the very end because of the plot, which yep. we'll get through. Okay. But you okay. know, you've really got to appreciate the art of movies to appreciate why this is such an iconic film. So is that you reckon because of the age of the movie or what why would Yeah, I'm what, the kind of guy that looks at this and goes, Okay, wow, this is old because it's black and white, but that's not a bad thing. But you know, even though I, I can respect a lot of the directing in it in terms of shot choice and the way they did it for the 60s also a lot of it was just you know very poorly done um you can imagine uh a modern um no i wouldn't want to see this as a retake although i believe there has been because something came up in my search there was a shot Um, shot remake which we'll talk about later which was awful but anyway i I wouldn't i I wouldn't want a shot by shot remake i wouldn't want to watch that having seen this but i can imagine it being done so much better okay so your tweet, what would your tweet say if you were tweeting this? If, imagine if they had Twitter in 1960. Yeah, I would have gone nuts. He would yeah. be like that. He'd be like, and no social media <laughs> no, after you've seen the no movie. No tweeting, yeah. <laughs> Until this date. Hashtag, um, be quiet, yeah. I'd be, going, I'd be going with Psycho is one of the most iconic films of all time. You've heard about it. You've seen the shower scene. But what is it all about? It's time to find out. Because for me, that's, that's, I, I've, I've no regrets about watching this movie, to yeah. be clear. I think this is the point of, of this show for me is to say, now that I'm older and I've got my own time and, and I can choose to do what I want to do with my time, I'm enjoying yeah. exploring these things, yeah. but uh, it's, it wouldn't be my first choice of things to do. I'm really happy that we're building up your bank of movies that you've seen now. Like in the last couple of months, well, you've seen more movies than you have in your entire life. Like, yeah, I was going to say, where where we're, the bank is is hev- heavily towards the growing. ones that you've brought me towards now. Solid deposits were put in that bank. Although, what if this is our fourth or fifth movie? There have been four Toy Stories, so, you know, <laughs> and three okay. cars. Do you reckon we should try squeeze one of those in? All right. Well, for me, um, always been one of my favorites. I always looked at this movie as being just so technically brilliant. There's a lot of techniques. The shower scene we'll talk about later. Very well shot. Great plot as well. Um, and, and anyone who's been on the Universal Studios backlot tour, have you done the Universal backlot yes, tour? Yes. You see the Bates Motel. You see the house, the Psycho house. That's where they actually filmed it, which to me was just, I'm a fan of the movie. So every time I go on the Universal tour, uh, that, that's always a favorite part of the of that tour for me. But it still holds up, I think, as a, as a really technically brilliant movie that uh with a storyline that that just keeps you guessing to to the very end which and I really let, me, let me be clear i i i agree the plot line the storyline yeah. and and definitely technically of the time i, I see it yeah it, it's just he, a struggle for me to watch now he was a real craftsman alfred hitchcock and his other films uh he's got so many other classic films the birds or, or so many other good movies uh, vertigo rear window just brilliant if you want to do want to take the time to enjoy those trev i'm sure fetch has all those too uh let's move on to the casting call the star of the movie was anthony perkins uh who plays norman bates he was mainly a tv actor before he came into psycho but also then went on to star in some classics on the beach uh catch 22 murder on the orient express some classics there janet lee played marion crane she also starred in one of my favourites, a very underrated movie years early she made, uh, was a, the biopic about Houdini. Yeah. And she was in the movie with her husband at the time, Tony Curtis. 
uh, he played Houdini and she played his his wife. Uh, and did you know that their daughter is Jamie Lee Curtis, who was in oh, Halloween? Can you wow. say um, he's her Jamie Lee Curtis? Very iconic role of her signature role was Halloween. Her mother was in Psycho, so it kind of <laughs> kept that in the family. Lots. Uh, she went on to make a lot of TV after Psycho, sort of the opposite of Anthony Perkins. Anthony Perkins came from TV, went to movies. Janet Lee came from movies and then did a lot of TV afterwards. The other, the other actor to talk about in the movie was Martin Balsam, who played uh, private investigator Arbogast. Mm, he was good. I, I do love the pronunciation of the sheriff. He says Arbogast. He calls him. Uh, he was in one of my another favorite of mine. He was in Twelve Angry Men, which we will be doing on the show. Uh, it's a it very f- famous film with starring uh, Henry Fonda and uh, Martin Balsam played juror number one. He was also in Breakfast at Tiffany's, another classic, and All the President's Men, which is a, another movie we'll have on the list about the Watergate scandal with Dustin Hoffman and, and Robert Redford. Famous, famous film. Uh, but he also, uh, a little bit of trivia, rejoined Anthony Perkins. He was also on Murder on the Orient Express. So oh. they did co-star again uh, uh, in, in the years down the track following Psycho. But time to unpack this thing. Let's go mm. starting with some memorable scenes. And, of course, right from the outset, I think you and and I think you picked up on this as well in your watch that there was some really smart camera work. So you see this overhead shot of Phoenix, then it's closing in on this building, then it closes in on this window, and it's the camera appears to fly into the windows to move into the window. And it's really from the outgo from the outset for me, it's sort of already it's already such a voyeuristic thing to sort of sneak in. As soon as I saw that, I thought I thought a. Um, this is the technical stuff that you would be looking at. This yep. is the, this is that when we watch an older movie, the the things that make it great of the time are because it probably stood out because of the way it was the cinematography. Yeah. And I'm looking at going, how did that? Because today you'd go, okay, drone, helicopter, whatever. You know, they've got gear, but how did they do that shot where it literally just kind of seamlessly went into the room? And yeah, and you can smart. imagine that was technically very very difficult at the time. It was, and it showed us Sam and Marion. So they were sort of meeting in secret. We find out a lot about their situation. This was sort of a bit of an exposition scene where she's saying, "We, you know, we want to, we've got to keep, we can't keep meeting like this. I'd prefer to meet, you know, in in public." And it p- turns out that he's is uh, paying alimony to an ex-wife, and he's left burdened with his father's debts, and she's kind of just sort of pay, keeping time waiting for him to be ready to to get married and, but, and but so he, it, he's kind of he doesn't have much money so he's like yeah. we, we can't live with me because i live in the back of a hardware store and he you know he, he they, they clearly are in love and they're clearly having a yeah. a, a, a relationship but it's a, pri- a private relationship and they clearly live in separate towns some some yeah. distance from each other and and it was at the time you got to remember this was 1960 right so at the time the, the 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 opening scene shows her laying there in a bra. They're rolling around on a bed. It, it was really, really like the critics only sort of just allowed it to go into the film because she's in a bra. They were an unmarried couple together. Right, okay. So it was really, really, you, you knew from the first scene that this is, wow, this is a, this is something out of the box. This is something that we don't normally see. So, uh, yeah, so that scene really sets it up. And then, of course, she returns to the office. I, I thought in that scene, I thought it was going to be a rom-com because I'm thinking, okay, this is going to really be a wild ride here. I don't know how this is a thriller or, a, you know, psycho. It doesn't match the, the scene. So she returns to the office and that continues, frankly, because it's just, you know, she just works in an office for a real estate agent or something like that. And she's she gets back. There's another lady that works in the office and the, the boss is out there and, um, 
the boss comes back with this big heavy hitting client and he's like, I'm he's sitting on her desk, flirting to heck with her. Yeah. Um, and he puts down a huge wad of cash to buy this property or whatever it is he's buying. And there's this long conversation about clearly this is out, just outrageous. Who buys something like this with so much cash? And yeah. it's agreed in the office that she should take the money to the bank, put it in a safe deposit box. And on Monday, they'll return it to him and he will pay with a check. Done yes. deal. That's how it's going to work. Because I think he was buying the house for his daughter's wedding. She was eighteen, getting married, and he was yep. gonna he was going to uh, buy her a home, which is nice, nice gift, isn't it? A nice wedding gift. Uh, but then, then we we then move on to the next scene where uh, I think bef- Marion goes into the boss's office, says, "Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm after the bank. I'm going to go home. I'm feeling a bit of a headache, and yep. so I'm I'm back at back at. Uh, she, she decides to go home. She's there packing a suitcase, and you're thinking, "Hang on a minute, she's not at the bank." Yeah. Cash is sitting there in the envelope. You notice too a lot. A lot of fans of this movie also notice scene one. Remember she's in the bra, white bra, yeah. sort of, you know, angelic, sort of pure. Two scenes later, she's in a black bra, black panties. So suddenly you're thinking evil, bad. Which is an interesting is symbolic thing when you think about thing. when you think about black and white. You need yeah. to have that strong contrast to make those statements, don't you? Because it's not yeah. like you can. Have her appear in a beautiful red dress versus a, a you know. Well, black you wouldn't know it's red, would you? Like being yeah. black and white. And you got to remember, the 1960, and I'll, I'll talk about why later, why it was black and white. There were color movies back then. This right. wasn't just because of its age. This was a deliberate choice by Hitchcock. Okay. Just like well, years later, Steven Spielberg shot choose to shot, shoot Schindler's List in black and white, even though oh. that was in the 90s. You could yeah. have color in the 90s. It's an artistic choice, which we'll talk yeah. about later. But, okay, suddenly she's – now you realize she's in the car. She's packing a suitcase. You're thinking, what, what the hell? She's, yeah, she's, she's running off with money. Yeah. You, in your, in your, that's the moment where you realize, okay, here's where this is going. This is this is her – in my mind, this is her going, right, I'm going to go and be with my boyfriend. I've got this money. We're going to set up a life. And I, I I think in a modern movie, you go, dude, how does that work? But in I, I did put myself in the time and go, I mean, it's cash. Cash, it's, exactly. It's, yeah. it's the 60s. There's no way they're going to find her. You can literally disappear in the 60s. So that's fine. So she's she's leaving town. or I assume she's leaving town. She's in a car. But she's in a car. She's waiting at a set of lights. And her boss crosses the road and with the, yeah. with the real estate dude. They're out to go and get drinks. The real estate dude keeps walking. And the boss takes a double take and sees her and she knows that he's pegged her. So yeah. it's like, hang on a minute, the boss has seen me, but she continues driving on. Well, she was she was banking on the boss not finding out about anything till Monday. Remember, it was a Friday, so she's thinking, oh, no, like he's seen me now. So she, she starts She's got a two and a half day lead on, on anyone knowing. So she's uh, the next scene is her sort of leaving town and, and then suddenly she's you see her car pulled over by the side of the road and uh, she she's asleep in the car. The highway patrol car pulls up and taps on the window. And then she's her immediate thought is, "Oh my god, I'm caught!" And but she manages to pull it together and say, "Oh no, I was tired. I, I decided to pull over. Didn't realize I was going to sleep all night." And oh, there are plenty of hotels in the area. I think he tells her, and he goes, "Well, no, sorry, am I have I done anything wrong? Can I leave?" And you, she he sort of was a little bit suspicious, saying, "Oh, look, you know, frankly, you're acting a little bit strange." He didn't. She kept it together. And he his main point was: license. there's hotels yeah. here. Why, why would you yeah. sleep in your car? But she said, mean, "Look, I was only meant to sleep for a little while." She didn't realize she was going to sleep the whole night. And so she she goes to the next town and she pulls directly into a car yard. And by the way, the cop is following her this whole way. So she pulls into a car yard, and I'm thinking, okay, he's following you. 
he's going to he's going to know you've swapped cars. What are you what are you doing? This doesn't make any sense. And the cop effectively then pulls over and stands on the side of the road with his cop car, watching her yeah. buy this second car. And it's interesting because she she um she's looking at the cars in the lot. She's looking at the California plates versus Arizona plates. Yeah, well, she's um, coming from Arizona, remember? So she wanted to yeah. go to have a Californian plate. And and yeah. I don't think that's obvious though, but but you yeah. know it's clear that she's wanting to switch identity in that sense. So yeah. I didn't even know she was from Arizona. Like I hadn't pegged yeah. where she was coming from. It's was much like later in the movie where yeah. they mentioned Phoenix. You know what I mean? Like it had no, in the, no, the start of the movie. It said Phoenix, Arizona, December eleven. You know whatever. It said two thirty three a.m. p.m. And that, yeah. Text on a screen is not how I do movies, right? Oh, yeah. so at that well, point, I'm, I'm still it, like, I can't get ready I've... for the movie. Hitchcock would have hated me because I wasn't paying <laughs> yeah. attention. He was paying attention. So, so, so the thing is, though, she buys a newspaper, puts a you know a quarter in, and, and the old newspaper boxes in the U.S. She grabs a newspaper, and she's reading it, and she looks just like so worried. And I'm yeah. looking at it, going, "Why are you reading the paper?" worried it makes it made no sense to me i'll be well, honest she was looking to see if she'd made the news would it have been reported by then i know it was the next day no but she hadn't to anyone's knowledge she hadn't yeah. stolen anything yet well no i think she was still worried that a boss saw her but her boss and, just saw her yeah. as far as i'm concerned at this point yeah the crime with the boss is skipping work in the arvo yeah because she didn't have a headache. She skipped work with 40K, mate. Yeah, but he doesn't know that. He, no, he doesn't, but she's feeling she's feeling the pressure now. That's What's in my head is she says to the boss, I'm going to the bank, and then I'm going home with a headache. Yeah. And then the boss sees her. So I'm thinking, well, she went to the bank, and she didn't go home with a headache. If I'm the boss, I'm thinking, so she didn't have a headache. I'm not thinking she stole 40 grand. Yeah. But then, but she, well, once, once she's in the car yard and it's a nice exchange between, then this is the first time the customer's high pressured the salesman. Like, what are you yeah. doing? Are you in, hey, guys, look, is it, she says, is it wrong? I'm in a hurry. I, I just want to make a decision and get on with it. And then the policeman drives in and do you remember when she's pulling out of the lot and they, they go, hey, and they think she's, she thinks she's busted, but she'd forgotten her bags in the yeah. other car. So that, that was pretty cool. But then she's sort of driving along to on her way to Fairvale. So she was going to Fairvale, which is a fictitious town, by the way, Fairvale, to meet up with Sam. And and she's playing in the car rather than just a picture of her driving with a scenery moving in the background. Mm. The scene's playing out in her head, all the voices, the boss saying, oh, yeah, I saw her. She was looked like she was driving out of town. And, oh, hang on, have you not heard from your sister? And let's go around and check to see if she has, she's okay. Oh, hang on. I'm not going to kiss $40,000 goodbye. So the, the, that whole scene sort of gives us the little, put builds the pressure and, and how she's thinking about how they're going to be reacting to what she's done. Yeah, and and it's also it's overwhelmed by the the weather the the dark it's so dark yeah it, the and rain the is intense yeah. the windscreen wipers it's it's classically sixties um which is obvious because it's made them but the windscreen wipers are so small they're so slow you can barely see the road like I'm thinking how are you driving still yeah. love I can barely see the dots <laughs> on the road so that well, that that's, plays that's, into it that what happens next where she's yeah you know, because she's because the Bates off. Hotel um is the the light shines and i think that draws her in it, it literally yeah. draws her in and it's funny because when she comes to the bates motel and the lights there and she drives in it's at that point where i go okay that's another thing i knew that i, I knew yeah. i've heard of the bates yeah. motel I, I i'd not put them together but i'd heard of that so again it's it's yeah. it's it it reminded me how iconic this movie was because something as simple as the name of the motel was was yeah. you know folklore and you've uh, they they like the we meet first time we meet Norman Bates and he explains how the 
the, they moved away the highway. You know, she says, oh, yeah, he says 12 cabins, 12 vacancies. They, they moved away the highway. So he's kind of, you think, okay, this is a an out-of-the-way hotel now. Yeah. Uh, and she decides to to stay there. So she he says, look, uh, register. And remember how she registers? She says, oh, name and address or just your hometown, if you don't mm. mind. She, she writes Marie Samuels, which is Sam's surname. I think she writes, is that right, Sam? Marie Samuels, but Sam being yeah. the, the boyfriend's yeah, name. Actually, Sam, that's right, yeah. Samuel. So she writes Samuels. That wasn't his surname. And then she writes, she sees on the front of the paper, Los Angeles. She writes Los Angeles. So he looks at that and sees, righto, Marie Samuels, Los Angeles, does, you know, lets her into the room. And he tells her, I think, uh, look, you know, is there anywhere I can get some food? He goes, oh, there's a diner up the road just outside of Fairvale. He goes, oh, I didn't, she just said, I didn't realize I was that close. And he says, oh, you're not going to be leaving now, are you? He goes, look, I'll, I'll, if you like, I'll just sort of make you some sandwiches. And and uh, we Which hear is, then it, the But drama. isn't that an interesting sliding doors moment, just quickly, uh, because that that part of the script where, you know, Fairvale's only 15 miles away, it's yeah. like she could have just kept going 15 more miles and she would have been with Sam. Yeah. That that literal moment of going, you know, I'm going to, I, I can't let these voices in my head. The rain's overwhelming. Yeah. I'm just going to pull into this motel, not knowing that it's only 15 miles away because in the 60s, yeah. you really don't know where you are. Exactly. It's fascinating. Yeah. So uh, we, we come to the point now where he's gone up to prepare some dinner and then we hear, we hear Norman's mother saying, what, what Shouting. are you going to, yeah, saying, what are you going to, you guess you're going to bring a girl here and, and, uh, she then looks to hide the money. Remember, she's still got 30, 39,300 in, in there because she spent 700 on the car and she's looking to hide the money. She decides to put the money in that she splits it in two piles and remember, wraps it in the newspaper. Yeah. Puts it on the, on the bedside table. That's when she was near the window. She could hear uh, Norman's mother. And then he decides to bring the sandwiches to the office. So he brings the sandwiches down to her instead of taking her up to the house, um, and and because uh, assumingly her, his mother is is not happy with her, him bringing a woman to the house, so yeah. he he brings the the sandwiches to the door and he says, "Why don't you come into the office?" And then he says, "I've actually got a a, a parlor behind the office." So they sit down in this parlor, which is a weird name these days, isn't it? But it's you know it's just <laughs> a, a little sitting room. Yeah. Um, and there's some weird stuff that goes on here because. It's you know there's there's stuffed birds in there. Um, we discover he he's he's a fan of taxidermy, which taxidermy. is taxidermy. He's not not a fan of birds. He's a fan of stuffing things. Yeah, and and we um, do hear like Marion says, look, oh, I think did I get you in trouble? Your mum was yelling. He says, oh look, she's not feeling herself today. <laughs> and, uh, which by the way, I've only literally this second just pegged why that's important. Him being a taxidermist and having the ability to. You know, yeah. okay. Hold things. that thought, mate. Hold <laughs> that thought. But, just hit me. <laughs> but the whole, I reckon, this is a this is probably the one of the longest scenes in the movie where they're yeah. talking a fair bit. She sort of tells, she talks about what she's doing. He says, "Oh, you know, this is my hobby." My mother. She he explains it. His mother and her lover and and all the dramas with the how he passed away and all of that. And he she says to him, "Don't you have any friends?" And then he replies with this. Is your time so empty? No. Well, I run the office and uh, tend the cabins and grounds and, and do little uh, errands for my mother, the one she allows I might be capable of doing. And do you go out with friends? Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. 
So do the, were the alarm bells ringing for you already here? Or oh, it, it's at this point where I go, this, here? This, I go, this is strange. This is awkward. And this bloke, it's at this point where I go, this this bloke's weird. He's not just the... So at this yeah. point, I realise he's something, he's part of the movie because he's not just the guy that gives her the key to the room. Because he, he also, it's it's sort of, there's so much happens in this scene. He also turns on her a little bit. Remember she says, oh, when he he's explaining how his mother makes his life miserable sometimes. And she says, well... Why don't you put her in a and he goes what a, what an institution? Yeah, and he turns on her and and she goes sorry I, I didn't mean to offend and then he sort of suddenly switches back because he says he, he yeah. does say there he says again it's all dawning on me now he says there you know do you know what happens in those places people laughing yeah. at you and all that kind of stuff cold yeah. eyes studying you and but you know what the funny thing about this though is that he says he says this line he goes we're all in our own little traps. Mm. And and she says yeah, and then at that moment you realise that she it's dawned on her that she's got to go the hell get the hell back home and fix up what she's done. Yeah, so she so she she says I've got to go back. Remember early I've got to go back to Phoenix. I've got to do this and and because, because she, he, says, he realizes it's not his breakfast. And and he says what time? She goes dawn. I've got a long drive ahead. Yeah. And and again these are the critical things because we now know she's fifteen miles from her boyfriend. And yeah. a million miles from home, and she's made the decision after this strange, awkward chat with this dude to go home. And tomorrow, she's seven hundred shy of giving the money back. That's yeah. That's as bad off as she is, and she may well be able to make that back by just swapping cars but, back. You never know. And and he he then looks at the register and realised that she said, "Oh, I'm early back, all the way back to Phoenix." And he tells her his not her name, and he looks at the register and realised she's lying. That's right. So he she sees does say that. a different name. Yeah. There. She says her real yes. name, Marion. There, doesn't yeah. she? And then she and she also reveals she's going back to Phoenix. So he's thinking, okay, it's this because she's uh, something happening here. But uh, what ends up happening next is that she goes back to her room. Yep. And next then we door, see, which is in the next room. Yeah. Yeah. So cabin one, he says, look, cabin one, closest to the office. And I understand why now he wanted her close to the office. Because <laughs> he got his little peephole, hasn't he? And again, Filthy, this whole scum. voyeuristic thing. Remember the first scene where the, the camera's like, it's like you're peeking into someone's hotel room window. This, then you see him peeking into into the room. It's sort of real got a voyeuristic kind of kind of vibe to it. Mm, yeah. And so he what sees her. Think, yeah, what were you thinking at this? What the hell am this, I watching? Is that what you this thought, is then? the point where I go, right, this bloke's the psycho. Like I've just gone, okay, he's the psycho. This has to be the case because he's the, he's the weirdo. He's got the peephole. I'm, I'm trying to work out, you know, who's going to be, I realize it's likely to be her in the shower, even though here's an interesting thing back in Phoenix, when she's getting ready to leave, there's in the behind her, you can see the bathroom door and you can see a shower and a shower curtain. And I think, oh, yeah. so she's going to get killed here. Like every time uh, there's a shower, I'm looking for the, <laughs> that being the site. You're watching out for it. Yeah, but, right. but we move. So we know this guy's just a weirdo because um, obviously he's looked at the people. And she, he, but he closes up the people. Yep. And she then finishes up her accounting. She's like trying to work out what she's doing. She, she grabs the piece of paper that she's written all her calculations on and she flushes it down the toilet. And yep. that is when it all changes, Stephen. So, 
it's it's a it's an epic bit of um, oh yeah theatre. We'll unpack that later. The the in the things you might not know section. So, of the show, but outside that's, of that's the shower it. scene, if in case you're wondering. Exactly, that's the shower scene. I'm I'm at this point. I'm thinking, wow, okay, whoa, here it is. This is it. It's happening. Wow. Yeah. Um, but then I'm thinking, oh, she's dead, or is she? I'm actually thinking, is she dead? Like she must be dead, obviously. But just <laughs> you know, because you don't. Yeah. There's a couple of things which we'll unpack later, but you don't actually see wounds. Um, yes. I well, do think at this point it had point, to be really smartly done because it you know, obviously because of the ratings could make it too gory. But um, I yeah. did think though it was a fascinating way to film that because obviously yes. there was these moments where I mean even even in terms of nudity there was these moments where they filmed very yeah. cautiously so that you could you could clearly see the female form but you know it was the, the knife was coming across it was just it was very interestingly not done one bit of nudity in that like you, no. you can't see anything that you're not supposed to be seeing um and but were you though I think, and this goes back to the reason why I think Hitchcock was really keen for people not to come in late to the movie. Were you like we were only thirty five minutes in, barely right. thirty five minutes in? So yeah. the one of the main stars of the movie is killed. Yeah, that at the time you're thinking, what the hell? He's well, killed his. What the hell is going on? It is. I you know it was at that point or very soon after that I you know you press the you know the down button on the fetch remote and you go well how far into the movie am I have I have I gone an hour into this already yeah. and you realise there's still like an hour and ten to go this yeah. is this has a lot to go I mean it it was it it was fascinating the way it was played out that way and I get the iconic nature of that scene for sure and then once once you see sort of the camera pulls back from her face like she's dead and it sort of goes and pans over to the money. And then the, the the camera pans across to, and then you see the house, and then you hear this. Mother, oh God, mother, blood, blood. So straight, once we hear that, a second later you see Norman running down the stairs again mm. and into the room. And because then, it is very clear during the shower scene, we don't mention that it's the old lady. Um, well, this yeah, well, the it looks like a woman in a, in a yeah. Yeah, it like it, female, it's yeah. clearly that it's his mum at this point. Um, yeah. that, that's that's committed the, the 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 iconic scene, and he's the mother's gone back to the house. The son Norman has seen blood on the mother and and freaked out, and he then comes down and very um calmly, you have to say, after a moment of shock, calmly yeah. just cleans up, just cleans up everything, really dutifully cleans up, and he. I think he gets takes the shower curtain, which she tore down, and he puts her body in the shower curtain. Then he gets the mop and really tidies everything up and washes the sink and all the all the blood along the bar. You realise just how you you I think we'll talk about you not thinking this was a bloody movie, but in the bath you would you would have seen there was a fair bit of blood in there. Uh, but he he cleans up, puts her in the in the shower curtain, takes the newspaper last. I, I think you observed and yep. puts that in the in there, puts her in the boot. And then dumps the car in the. Because again, when you look at this, um, this storyboard by storyboard frame, um, you know he's he's cleaning up her her clothes out of the wardrobe, and then he goes to the yeah. the bathroom and grabs things, including a belt that was there and her earrings. Then he, yep. he packs it all up. He gets a handbag, puts it in, and it's not. And and you're thinking, all I'm thinking is, dude, the newspaper don't leave forty grand. He he yeah. essentially leaves it behind, and then then finds it and puts it in and just throws it in the boot. It's yeah, not and, in and all the time back. you're thinking, mate, there's money in there. Yes. He didn't know. He didn't care. No, didn't know. Um, he didn't notice it was a heavy newspaper. Throws it in the boot because he's put her body in the boot of the car that she's just bought. And then he takes it and you're thinking, where's he going to go? Drives it around the back into some swamp and just pushes it very strangely 
into a swamp, which slowly enough to make it theatrical. Sort of stops, say, you think it engulfs. Yeah, you think, hang on, it's not going to go, and then then it just drops in and it's all gone. And and that's it. He's disposed of a body and the entire evidence of this woman's existence. And so next up we see uh, the scene where Marion's sister, Lila, turns up to Sam's uh, place up in Fairvale. And again, you know it's Sam's place because um, obviously you see him in it, but he mentioned the hardware store. And so he's in the hardware store out the back. He's actually writing a letter um, to to Marion. Yeah. Um, which is, I find it fascinating he didn't bring that up because the sister comes in and he, she introduces herself and she thinks that Marion's here in town yes. with Sam. He's like, I don't know where she is. At that point, I, if I was Sam, I would have said, I'm writing her a letter right now. Come and have a look to, yeah. to kind of prove that I wasn't looking for her. But at the same time, there's another dude at the door um, and he doesn't take long before he walks in and introduces himself as a private investigator um, who is also operating on behalf of the dude that's lost 40 grand. He's trying to find her as well because she has taken off with forty grand. That's yeah, exactly. And he he does make it pretty clear though that look, you know, they, they don't want to involve the police if she yeah. just gives the money back. We're all good. That's what they want. Uh, and he goes around knocking yeah. on hotel doors all through town. You see him very well shot. You see him talking to people. You don't hear the conversations. It's just a montage of him talking to people at hotels and them shaking their heads and all that kind of stuff. And then he then he goes out of town to the Bates Motel and has a conversation with. Norman about yes. the very same thing, and he he's questioning him about have you seen this woman? He goes, oh no. He says, oh, I haven't had anyone here in a couple of weeks, and then he and then he says something like, oh no, someone came by last week and they were they were off the highway. He goes, ah, oh, so there you go. So there was someone here last week, and he's sort of chipping away at him, and then he eventually works out that yes, Marion was here. She was under a false name. Mm. She stayed, and he explains, yeah, she stayed. She left early the next day, and that was it. So, uh, and it's interesting the things that, that, that he picks up because uh, Norman says, Oh, no, I've, I've got things to do. Come and help me. Like, I don't mind. Come and come and look at all the rooms with me. I'll, I've got to change all the linen. And the investigator looks up at the house. Um, uh, Norman walks down, and but the investigator sees Norman go to go into room one and then choose not to and skip that one. So, it's yeah. at that point that the investigator goes, Right, room one yeah. is where the action's at because that, he goes to the trouble of, of even calling um, the sister. And telling her that he's got a he's he's confident she's been at this hotel. He even yeah. knows what room she was in, room one, and that he has to speak to the mother. He has to speak to the mother and find out what she knows. Because I think uh, the I think the investigator just before that explains it. Look, she's she's not in any trouble. She just wants she's got some money, and and he says to Norman, he goes, "You you're not gonna you're not gonna be let someone like that fool put pull the wool over your eyes, are you?" Mm. And then he says, "No, no way." He goes, "They're not gonna fool me, and they certainly would not fool my mother." He goes, oh, your mother met her. And then that was sort of the suspicion he built. And he sees, he goes, oh, can I speak to your mother? He goes, no, no, she's, she's an invalid and, and all of that. But then um, he, he decides to check in, as you said, and, and he says, look, I've got a hunch. I'll be back in an hour, possibly less. And, and so he decides to go meet, go check to see if he can meet the mother. Yeah, so he goes, um, he, he has that phone call with the sister and then he sneaks his way up to the house. Like it's a it's a very strange thing because he's obviously sneaking in. He opens the door himself, walks in, and you're thinking, okay, this is gonna be this is gonna be on. He's gonna find out what she knows, and like there's no way, like it, you, this is the point where you're thinking, okay, so is this woman gonna like confess? Is she is she deranged to the point where she's just gonna say that she's just randomly killing this woman? And he walks up the stairs really carefully, cautiously, and within seconds of him stepping on the top step. 
the, the woman comes out with a knife and just stabs him. And and yep. you, hang on a minute, what's going on here? And and this is where I go. Hang on a minute, this is sixties filming going on here. He's 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 falling down the stairs, but he's yeah. he's not at all tumbling. There's no stuntman involved. <laughs> well, was a, they used an interesting method there. That like Martin Balsam, who played Arbogast, he was. They said that in the production, they played. They had the scene like a screen behind him, and all he had to do was sort of wave his arms to give. And the they gave the impression then that someone were like the, the 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 zoom out was the effect of him falling down the stairs or zoom in so it was like, like a green screen yes so it was like a technique that they that they that they tried where they he was just all he had to do was sort of be he's actually stationary falling looked like he was falling yeah. down the stairs right, so okay. again hitchcock trying to trying to sort of be artful about a a scene a murder scene <laughs> yeah very artful um, so yeah. we've now got two dead <laughs> in, yeah. the, in the space of a moment at the hand of the of Norman Bates' mother, um, stabbed with a you know very standard uh, you know kitchen cutting knife. It was, it was it's, solid you know, knife, big knife. It's at this but, point um, where I realise, okay, this chick's psycho. Yes, there you have it. And then so Sam, they're they're sitting there, Marion and Sam saying, look, it's it's been three hours. He hasn't come back. He said he was going to be an hour. He's not. He said, look, he said he had a hunch and he was going to continue. He goes, if he, he, this, this is not like him not to talk to us about this. So Sam decides to head out and, and look for, for Arbogast himself. Mm. And he says, look, I, I found nothing. All, all I could see was this old lady at the window who wouldn't answer the door. Yeah. And so yeah. He, he's, he's gone to the motel. They, they, he comes back. Um, uh, he goes to see the deputy sheriff because obviously Sam's a local. And so he knows these yep. people. Goes to the deputy sheriff at his home. Um, and talks about this, everything they know, everything they know, um, but they find out from the deputy sheriff some pretty important information about that very mother. This detective was there. Norman told him about the girl. The detective thanked him, and he went away. And he didn't come back? He didn't see the mother? Your detective told you he couldn't come right back because he was going to question Norman Bates's mother, right? Yes. Norman Bates's mother has been dead and buried in Green Lawn Cemetery for the past 10 years. So Boom. you're thinking, well, hold on a moment. Hold the phone. You're thinking, aren't you? Oh, I, I, <laughs> at this point, I'm, I'm not convinced by where the movie's going at all. Like, I'm like, okay, yeah. so is that his girlfriend? Is that, um, is, did his mother not really die? And, and he's just, you know, keeping her uh, uh, secret from the world because they live in this isolated off the highway joint. Now I, I'm just like, okay, I don't know what's going on. Um, it, it's, it's a pretty full on moment for anyone watching it for the first time. So the next scene we, we see is Norman realizing he just, he just had the call from the sheriff because before that little audio clip, the, um, the sheriff actually called Norman and explained Oh, I met this bloke. He left, yeah. and then you see Norman saying, "Mother, okay, well, I've got to, I've got to, put, I've got to move you now." And then you hear her voice saying, "Yeah, don't you dare t- take your hands off me! Don't you dare!" And then the same overhead shot you saw. Remember when Arbogast gets killed? It's an overhead shot, so you see the woman coming out from a from an overhead shot, mm. and that same overhead shot is you see Norman carrying his mother down to the fruit cellar. He goes, "Don't you put me in the fruit cellar." He goes, look, oh, sorry, mother, and then he takes her down to the fruit cellar. Because he now knows that that everyone's looking for the mother. He's it's very clear because of all the movements that everyone's looking for the mother, and he needs to hide her. They 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 then see the deputy sheriff at the at the church and tell him everything that they've seen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they they decide to pose as husband and wife. So this is the sister of the missing woman, 
and the boyfriend of the missing woman posing as husband and wife going back to the Bates Motel. So, yeah, so they've decided, right, we're going to – because remember, they knew she was in cabin one. Remember? Yes. So she was in cabin one. Yep. So they decide to go back, and the plan was, okay, I'm going to keep Norman occupied. Yep. You go see if you can talk to the mother. Yep. Or or not. Well, they knew they knew there was no mother because they found out she was dead. But you go snoop in the house, see what you can find. Well, but but at this point, there, there's a woman. People. There's still a Abigail woman in the window. Yeah, the yeah. Mother. He saw yeah. the mother in the hotel, so someone needs to speak to the the person in the in the in the house. I found it interesting at this point, though, that it's Sam that decides to keep Norman occupied, and the sister that goes to the house, and not the other way around. Yeah. Um. But. That was just me. I'm thinking, wow, oh, geez, I wouldn't okay. be sending the, the you know, the, the sister up there. That conversation got pretty heated. He was saying, he goes, wouldn't you you'd love to sell up here? He goes, what, what are you hiding from? He sort of was trying, he was antagonizing him. And you could see, if you look closely, you see Norman tapping his finger on the desk and saying, why don't you get in? You can't get out of here. So he, you could tell he was sort of getting frustrated with him. Yeah. And then the sort of the, 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 the next cut is that they sort of come to blows, don't they? And yeah. he... He grabs a jar and clocks him on the back of the head. And just like fully turns it and smacks him on the back of the head. Sam falls to the ground. Oh, I don't think it was great acting. Or I don't think the scene was perfect yeah. Um, yeah. In, in many ways. But it's, 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 it is what it is, mate. It is what it is. Well, this sort of brings us to, you see Lila is still snooping around the house. She went up into the bedroom, remember, and yep. saw the indentation on the bed. And she saw the wardrobe full of clothes. She gets scared. She sees a reflection in the mirror. And then... She goes downstairs and sees through the front door that Norman's coming up the stairs. Yes. And she sort of thinks, where, where do I go now? So she sees that there's a, a, a stairs going down yeah, so to the cellar. And she decides, that's where I'm going. And uh, she walks down there and discovers Norman's mother. And what oh, were man. you thinking here? What, like, explain to me how you reacted here when you see she taps norman's mother on the shoulder and she turns around and what and it, was going through your mind it's it's a mummified dead clearly the mother I, I i mate i wrote literally my thoughts i wrote holy hell i did not see that coming the mother is dead norman <laughs> dresses like her i mean like oh wow this is yeah oh, I'm literally blown away and this is like fully you've gone all the way through this is the brilliance of this movie is you have gone the whole way through and there's no I, how would you have known that yeah how would you and, have and guessed that? Sam luckily comes too and saves her, so he rushes up into the house and you see because, him because tackling Norman, him. And, yeah. Norman comes in. Norman's dressed screams, up as his mother. Yeah. She screams that loud that Norman has had time to get in the house, dress as the mother, and come in to the room to try yeah. and then kill the sister, and Sam comes in and rescues her. And, and you see uh, as how they've filmed the two, Sam's grabbing him and you see he's sort of unbuttoning the dress and taking off the wig at the same time. So you yeah. realise that he's in he's in a costume. Yeah. Notice that. So he sort of, he didn't just tackle him, he's, but he was also revealing that he's wearing clothes, a dress right. and a wig. Um, oh, I mean, that, I, look, it was, yeah. that, that's, that's, I know that the, the knife, the shower is an iconic scene in movie, iconic movie scene. Yeah. But I actually think that that little moment there is is just as brilliant. Just the of course she walks well, in, it, just it gives away the whole movie. You, you can't be sort of having that no. out there because it spoils it for everybody. But the next scene is kind of what wraps up wraps it up. The, the psychiatrist and, explaining. Honestly, the movie could have gone to credits at that point. 
But yeah. I feel like this next scene, when it started, it's like, okay, the kids, uh, the, the Normans in, in, in lockup, the police are together. There's more people in the room than ever should be. It looks like all the police sergeants and everyone. Um, the sister and, and, and the, the boyfriend are in there. Everyone's in there talking about this incident, this thing. But then a psychiatrist comes out having essentially, you know, sat with Norman Bates to understand what happened. Um, and they, they're asking so many questions of this guy. Yeah. Did he admit to it? Has he what's happened and why and it's a it's a fascinating uh, dialogue monologue really isn't it yeah and he explains he goes i didn't get it from norman i got it from his mother she was there but she was a corpse so he began to think and speak for her give her half his life so to speak at times he could be both personalities carry on conversations at other times the mother half took over completely. He was never all Norman. But he was often only mother. And because he was so pathologically jealous of her, he assumed that she was as jealous of him. Therefore, if he felt a strong attraction to any other woman, the mother's side of him would go wild. So that kind of explains that every time he was in the press, he was in like uh, uh, he was meet, met a woman and who he was attracted to the mother side of his personality, which explains what happened with, with Marion. He was obviously attracted to her. Mm. And the mother side would come out and uh, dispose of them. Well, I got to be honest, uh, that I mean, it was an amazing little bit there. But the bit that actually I, th- I found fascinating, given the age of this movie, right, yep. um, was when someone in the room goes, um, he's a transvestite. And I've actually yeah. got the script here because I found this brilliantly written uh, yep. of the time, let alone, you know, relevance at all. And and the psychiatrist says, not exactly. A man who dresses in, woman's, in a woman's clothing in order to achieve sexual change or satisfaction is a transvestite. But in Norman's case, he was simply doing everything possible to keep alive the illusion of his mother being alive. Like, it it was interesting because I think, again, at the time, the fascination would have been, you know, a man who dresses a woman as a transvestite. Yeah. And I just find it fascinating that that in 1960, that little bit of scripting was so well done that it explained entirely the situation. He was uh, also explaining that he he would not only dress up in his mother's clothes, he'd speak in a voice, and they'd have entire conversations with each other. So uh, yeah. it was when it, the danger or desire threatened that illusion, he'd dress up even to a cheap wig he brought. Uh, he'd walk about the house, sit in her chair, speak in her voice. He tried to be his mother. I mean, yeah. it's just wow. and that 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 explained then because I'm sitting there going, hang on a minute. This, she heard the argument. She heard the mother <laughs> yelling. Didn't yeah. make sense. But he had it had been ten years. He had adopted her voice as a yeah. part of his. Well, it also turned out that he murdered his mother and the lover. Yeah. The lover and the mother. He had a very close relationship with his mother. He sees her hook up with his other bloke. She's. He sees. Well, you've you've abandoned me for him. He he then commits matricide, kills his mother and the lover, and then tells everyone it was a it was a murder suicide. That, by and the that, way, I'd never heard this heard the word matricide before this. Yeah. Killing your mother is matricide, yeah. I'd never heard that word yeah, before watching this movie last night. Every day is a school day, mate. Mate, let's with you. On to, <laughs> let's move on to the, our favourite quotes. And I've got one here. Uh, where And, and the, two, the two quotes that we've got, uh, you pick one, I pick one, but they both kind of sort of imply the same thing. But she's harmless. 
She's as harmless as one of those stuffed birds. I am sorry. I, I only felt... It seems she's hurting you. So you, you, you can see that the... Already, she's his explanation is that like she's harmless. She's not hurting anyone because he like obviously got to put him in his mind. She, he, he's obviously trying to protect her, but you, now looking back, you're thinking, okay, yeah, she's harmless as well. There's also that scene we talked about in the parlor where he's surrounded by all these stuffed birds, and, and yeah. it was only this morning that I realised, you know, his knowledge of taxidermy helped him keep his mother not in any way yeah, looking normal, but certainly he, her. He yeah, hadn't, yes, yes. She hadn't fully degraded into the ground. She, but he she was, was actually right when he said she's as harmless as one of those stuffed birds because that's what he did. He, he, he treated her. Yeah. But the yeah, second but... one was at the very, very end of the of the movie where Norman is in the police cell and he's you know wrapped in a blanket, and there's he's sitting there talking to himself, but he's got his uh, hands on his legs, and there's a fly lands on his leg, and and he looks at her and says, "This." They're probably watching me. I'll let them. Let them see what kind of a person I am. I'm not even going to swat that fly. I hope they are watching. They'll see. They'll see and they'll know. And they'll say, why, she wouldn't even harm a fly. <laughs> so that was literally the last line of the movie. Yeah. So it was yeah. uh, a great ending. But I reckon this isn't a quote um, that I'm going to talk about here. It's the music. The music played such a part in this yeah. that it just needed to be mentioned. Bernard Herman was the musician, and he used only strings, all, all string instruments. No, no other instruments were used. And in it, the, it, in the it starts in the opening before any pictures. It, it starts yeah. in the in the opening text on screen. It's literally that music uh, in all its escalations and undulations. That music is absolutely a a dominant part of this whole whole movie, isn't it? It is absolutely and. Let's move on to how did that happen? Some plot holes here. My yep. first one is that she was so, and you mentioned it, it was sort of a sliding doors moment. She was so close to Fairvale. Yeah. She could have just kept going. Why, why didn't she just drive the rest of the way? I think it was what, the rain was heavy I think, and I think, she was tired. I think I, I've reasoned that with, with a couple of things. Firstly, awful weather. And yeah. she remember the night before she, or, or, or earlier, she'd yeah. clearly fallen, nearly fallen asleep at the wheel, so she'd pulled over and slept in a car. So yep. she chosen to pull over at the best opportunity, which was a, an actual hotel. Yep. But also, it's the 60s. Um, at best, they've got mile markers. Um, and it may well be that Fairvale wasn't on the mile markers, so she wouldn't have known where she was. Maybe. Um, but Maybe. Not, didn't exactly have Google Maps. No. <laughs> or GPS. That's right. Um, the next uh, questionable thing, and you, I think, brought this up before you realise what happened here, is the conversation with the mother. Yeah. And then we realised, you, you were thinking, how did that happen? She's talking for herself, and we realised, of course, that it's all Norman. If the mother's dead, and it's Norman, how does that how does that play out? Like, it was a very yeah. clear conversation. And now, yeah, I, I guess it's been 10 years, he's adopted the voice, and he did that for a reason. But it just, I don't know, it just felt yeah. like a like a, a struggle to really yeah, accept. But, then when, but looking back, you, think, you understand exactly why. But, but this he, he, one, here's uh, the one that really got me. Yeah, because I saw it once and I let it go. Yes. I saw it twice and I went, "Wait a minute!" So she parks out the front of her hotel, and yep. she's in a you know big uh, Chrysler or something. I don't know, big. So it's a left-hand drive here. So left-hand drive, American car camera. with a bench yeah. seat. She's she's closer yeah. to camera. 
she shuffles over the bench seat and gets out the passenger door to go to her hotel room. Well, uh, um, I can understand why, though. No, but I'll tell you so, why. So let me hear me yeah. out. I'm okay yeah. with that because it's raining and she's trying raining. to get to her Correct. cabin, right? But then <laughs> Orbegast, or whatever his bloody name is, the PI, pulls, yeah. pulls up at the hotel, pulls up in the entryway of the hotel, and again, driver's side closest to camera, he shuffles yeah. over and gets out the passenger side as well. <laughs> There's a third time. There's a third time. Is there? When he stops at the phone, he gets out yeah. the phone to near the phone box and he gets out the passenger side as well. Maybe his driver's door was busted. His driver's door was busted. He, he gets in and out of the passenger door. That was funny. That is a very now, strange you mentioned, thing. right, not a lot of blood. Okay? Well, mate, he, she, this person has been stabbed to death and there's absolutely no pools of blood on the floor, seemingly 10 minutes later when Norman comes back. The, there's very little blood you know, splattered across the shower. I've watched enough Law and Order to know that when yes. people when people go, they go badly. Yeah. Solid. Yeah. Well, uh, um, this is I'm I'm pinching this out of the things you might not know. So I'll tell you now. He shot the movie on black and white because he was scared it would appear too bloody. So having a black and white, the blood being obviously in a color movie, red blood, it's it's bloody. He decided black and white would be a bit more subtle. So that's probably why you're sort of you didn't put two and two together. Imagine, imagine, remember the scene where he's cleaning up with the mop, but there's blood everywhere there. Yeah, imagine but it's that in color. Not a lot of blood. Yeah. Even but that. The, even even when Mark cleaning Bolson, up with the mop. Remember when the Arbogast gets stabbed in the in the house and he falls down the stairs? Like he had a slash down his face and then also got stabbed in the chest a couple of times. So when when the knife's going up and down and he's falling down the stairs, all you see is a black line down his face rather than the blood. So. Those two scenes alone, I reckon, would have, uh, in colour, you would have thinking, holy hell, this is bloody. I think if those exact scenes shot the exact way were in colour, I would still be saying there was no wind. Like, yeah. how did she not drain a, a huge pool of blood onto the floor of the bathroom where yeah. she lay for at least 10 minutes before Norman came to pull her out of the shower? Yeah, but you got to remember that we're, we're talking 1960 here as oh, well. So for the time, same, it would have mate. been a blood bath. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, fair enough. Uh, we're moving on to, did you notice? Now, uh, did you notice Alfred Hitchcock's cameo in the movie? Oh, so he always does that. I don't he always know. has a cameo. He always puts himself in the movie. It was, I'll tell you when it was. It was six and a half minutes in oh. when Marion comes back to her office. She walks in the door. You can see through the glass door there's a good dude with a big cowboy hat on. That's yeah. Alfred, that was Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> he was uh, outside, and the reason he is famous for the cameos, and the reason he did it early in this movie because he didn't want to be too distracting if he put himself in the movie later. So he wanted to get his cameo out the way early in the movie without being too distracting. That is very strange. The co-worker in the office, remember the woman who goes yep. back? Yep. That was actually Patricia Hitchcock. That was Alfred Hitchcock's daughter. Huh. Yeah, and she only passed away actually a month ago. She she died in August of oh, 2021. Wow. Yeah. Now the the money she stole forty thousand bucks. Can I say how something? much do you reckon that's worth in today's money? Well, can I firstly say uh, consecutive bills too? I looked at the serial code. Oh, on really? The, Good. Yeah, as she Good was pulling out the seven hundred, they yeah. were consecutive serial numbers. Very very oh, good eye for detail there. Forty thousand then it'd be. You know, two hundred fifty, four hundred thousand dollars now, or something. I guess it's about four hundred k. Yeah, so about four hundred k. We're talking US dollars here. The car she bought for seven hundred plus her car, so it would have been about seven thousand dollars as yeah. well. Yeah. 
Did you also notice this is this is uh, being argued by fans who sort of watch the movie as many times as I have? Do you remember that scene where the Marion's been killed in the shower and she her face is on the floor, she's dead, and the camera sort of pulls out and winds back? Well, did you notice the pulse in her neck? At her, it's I like thought, I thought I saw her eye vein. move. Well, there's an argument about over that too. They reckon that 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 she that she didn't blink at all. But there is a definite. If you look closely, there's a little throb in her neck. Her vein is throbbing in her neck. I I'm sure well. I wrote, or I thought to myself, is she dead? Like yeah, it oh, wasn't in, dead, yeah. it wasn't until honestly, while I'm watching it, it wasn't until he wrapped her up that yeah. I went, she's actually dead. Okay. Well, let's move on. Things you might not know, Trev. Alfred Hitchcock secured the rights to the novel. I think he paid like nine thousand bucks for it and then went on to buy as many copies of the book as possible to get it out of circulation. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to get, get it out of there. Uh, I mentioned, too, was sold to theatres uh, without any – no late admissions. You knew that already. Uh, he also asked the cast and crew to swear an oath not to divulge the plot. So you imagine the crew standing there, raise your right hand, mm. I solemnly swear I will not give up the plot of this movie. Wow. He actually made them do it. Uh, he, he shot the movie in black and white, as we said, not only to make it to not appear bloody, but he also wanted to save money. He wanted, <laughs> he wanted to save money on the budget. He had to buy those books before the movie was That's shot. That's right, so. yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about, too, the shower scene. Yeah. Now, the shower scene apparently took five days to shoot. What? It's 45 seconds of the movie. Took five days. It used 77 different camera angles there were 50 edits cuts in it and lasted just 45 seconds and another bit of trivia the sound of the the sound of the knife apparently going into a body that was a they recorded that by stabbing a melon they got that sound by stabbing a watermelon the old Farley stage yeah now this is gonna this is you're gonna recognize the name of this uh, of this product. Now instead of blood in the shower, remember this is a black and white movie, remember? Mm. So there's no blood in the shower. They used Bosco chocolate sauce. <laughs> Where have you heard that before? Seinfeld. Seinfeld. Bosco chocolate mm. sauce was used instead of blood because it registered clearer in black and white. So what you see down the drain and on the bath, that was actually chocolate sauce. They wanted to to, to register to look oh, wow. uh, better on on film. Um, the the body double was used as well in the shower scene. So that was sort of she was filmed them filmed it naked, but obviously the camera angles prevented us seeing anything. Uh, that body double was actually a stripper named Marley Renfro. She was the body double, and she went on to become one of the very first Playboy Playmates as well. Wow. Yeah. The Did you notice, too, the final shot of Norman? Did you see something happen to his face at the very, very end of the movie? No. If you look closely, you'll see that his face is superimposed with his mother's face, you know, the skeletal oh. face sort of merges into one. You see her teeth and her wrinkled face appear Ugh. on top of his. Now, this is a really surprising fact here that apparently when he saw the final edit of the movie, Hitchcock was not happy with the movie, not happy at all. In fact, he was prepared to cut it down to a TV show length. What saved it? The music. When Bernard Herrmann score and he put it, he then put the the music in the movie, 
that's what saved the movie for him. He said that's what made it a better movie was the music. Wow. Yeah. That's fascinating. Now, the, there was, would you believe, three sequels to this movie. What? They made Psycho 2, underrated sequel, I've got to say. I'm a fan of Psycho 2. It's set 22 years later when Norman Bates is let out of the asylum and comes back to Bates, the Bates Motel. And it is, I, I reckon, an underrated sequel. I really like it. A great ending to it as well. But Psycho 3 and 4 were just sort of, you know, cash-ins. They were rubbish. There was also, I mentioned earlier, a shot-for-shot remake starring in 1998 starring Vince Vaughn as Norman, huh. Norman Bates, and Anne Heche played the Marion character. Right. Like shot by shot. So it was Gus Van Sant directed it, and they copied every single shot. Why? In colour. Mate, you tell me and we'll both know. I thought it was a terrible, rubbish movie that did no business because uh, the original was always going to be the best. That's a very strange thing to do. It is strange, and I think I, I think they learnt the hard way because the movie did no made no money, and uh, they thought, well, you know what, we'll leave the classics alone. Anyway, that brings us to the end of the show, mate. So after having seen this for the first time, give us your wrap up and give us a rating. Look, I'm glad I saw it because it, it's one of those you know factoids. It's a quiz. It's a you know dinner party conversation that I think it's important to have that basic information about Norman Bates, right? Um, you know, pop culture wise. But it's a six out of ten for me because I just I I don't yeah it's not my it's not my yeah. style it's not my genre um, so it's it's too old for me to enjoy in the same way that you are technically enjoying it and yeah. I've got to be honest mate I don't know how you do it I don't know how you watch these kind of movies over and over again because <laughs> you know what's going to happen it's a favourite I like this movie I really do I've got it I've you got know it on what's going to happen yeah but I, I still like to pick things up and and. You know, you, it's it's like it's like why why do people go to McDonald's? Because they know what to expect. They know what they're going to get, and that's yeah, but exactly because I'm what, hungry. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, my my my, I reckon it's a, any movie we do on this show. You know that I like, so it's a solid eight for me. And um, I, I do like the fact that it's been released on on various formats. Of course, you can watch it on Stan. I think it's on 4K in, on Stan as well, I noticed. Right. Yep. You can uh, see it. It's been released on 4K disc as well, and it has been, there's been some great uh, back the, behind-the-scenes documentaries made about it. It's fascinating hearing Hitchcock talk about it as well, as well as the cast, like Janet Lee, who plays Marion Crane, talking about how she knew that this was going to be the scene she was going to be remembered, the movie she's going to be remembered for the rest of her life, as was uh, Anthony Perkins, who played Norman Bates. Right, but right. Psycho, that's it. Uh, if you haven't seen it, we've spoiled it all for you. Yeah, we've spoiled it all for you, but if you've got a fetch box, <laughs> if you've got fire a it up. Fire yeah. up a fetch. Ask it to watch Psycho, and uh, hopefully you'll uh, you'll find it uh, entertaining and enjoyable, and you'll pick apart the, uh, the little bits and the big bits, as Stephen has and does. Um, and you'll have some feedback for us. We'd love your feedback as well, as always. Uh, happy to get yes. your, your ratings and reviews on the podcast, and you can always find us online to give us uh, direct feedback via email on our websites. But, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyable because I'm glad I've seen it. I'm glad you've I can say I know what happens. You've seen Psycho. Now, your homework for next week, Trevor, oh, yeah. is The Hunt for Red October. Oh, that's a uh, Sean Connery. Sean Connery, correct, and Alec Baldwin, oh, uh, really? made in 1990. So it's a, a submarine, isn't it? Based on the Tom Clancy novel, yes. So, see now, to watch. Spoiler alert: I may like it because I loved the Tom Clancy computer games, Rainbow Six. Okay, there you go. So there maybe go. it's my Australia. genre. That, you might again one of my one of my favourites. So you've right. got that's your homework for next week: the hunt for Red October. 
So in the meantime, enjoy your movies. Enjoy Fetch if you've got the service. If you don't, get on it. But Trev, great to be watching another movie with you. See you next week, buddy.